Uh, the next song that we're going to play, also 1980, also the Urban Cowboy soundtrack, is my favorite song from the movie soundtrack. And we've talked about this one before, but this is just, this is a great, just a great song overall. This, this is, is why I came with a big list, Scott, because I knew you were going to knock a bunch of songs <laughs> off. So this is Johnny Lee. Gentlemen, Johnny Lee. Well, I spent a lot of time Looking for you Single bars and good time lovers were never true Playing a fool's game Hoping to win And telling those sweet lies And losing again I was looking for So this this song goes to number five on the Billboard chart, and I like this from the jump. When it came out, uh, I think this was the song that kind of drew my attention to the movie. Yeah, I I remember hearing M. Murray on the radio with "Could I Have This Dance," but I didn't particularly care for it as being a kid. Of course, yeah. Um, but this song I was I really liked, and I still like it to this day. I think this I, I would is agree. A, this is this is a great great song, country or pop. I I would agree. I mean, because way 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 back when we did our like uh, soundtracks, mm-hmm. and I think you and I both picked this as our song yeah. off this album. And there was what like 20, 30 songs. It's a double on the album. album. Yeah, yeah, right. It's and we both came with the song. Yeah, uh, and you know there were some there were some other good songs on the soundtrack. It really had, I think there were like forty songs on it. It was big, but this. For I think both of us, this was the clear-cut front runner, and uh, maybe the movie producers felt the same way because this was the one that was featured prominently at the very, very end of the movie as the movie is coming to an end. Do you remember uh, when Eddie Murphy spoofed this song when he was Buckwheat? Yeah, Nook and Panov. Wook and Panov. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he was doing the, he was doing the country song. <laughs> Buckwheat was singing the country song. That's yeah, right. that's right. That's right. Uh, Looking for love, Johnny Lee. 1980 went to number five on the charts from the urban cowboy soundtrack and obviously we're really starting to get heavy this this time frame sean and you you talked about it starting with dolly parton in 1977 um almost half my list is from 1977 to like 1980 okay i mean it's very heavy with a lot because you really started to really started to see country seize an opportunity remember Disco music is not everybody's taste anymore. And as you turn the page of 1979 into 1980, you know, people are, are looking for other types of music. And I think that's why Urban Cowboy was such a perfect storm because it offered a different um, sensibility on the music charts. Mm-hmm. And I think people were ready for it. And I think Which is, is so incredible that John Travolta ushered in disco and he <laughs> ushered in country. He sure did. And he also, uh, you know, nostalgic music 50s as well. 50s revival. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, Johnny Lee. So the last song I'm going to play off of the Urban Cowboy soundtrack is probably this song, well, it's good. And it did go to number 22 on the, on the pop charts. Was probably the biggest pop hit for... A guy who had a really long country career. And this is Mickey Gilly. And he does a, does a remake of the Benny King song, Stand By Me. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon 
is the only light we'll see. No, I won't be afraid. No, I won't be afraid. Just as long as you stand by me. So Mickey Gilly is probably known more in the movie Urban Cowboy from the fact that a lot of the movie was shot at his bar mm-hmm. outside of Houston. It was, at the time, I think it was it held the Guinness record for being the largest enclosed bar in the world. I think you're right. Uh, it was massive. I mean, it had, you know, it was like the size of a small arena. And it had, I think it had wings on it. Kind of reminds me, if, if you're, those of our listeners that are from the the Lancaster Harrisburg area if you've ever been to the State Farm Show complex I think it was very similar to that and okay. that it was built it had all these wings in it because when Bud and Sissy get married in the movie they get married at Gillies and it was in one of the smaller wings I think of the bar okay so well you know listening to this song and you know with Mickey Gillies rendition of you know kind of an R&B song mm-hmm. where this is full on traditional country so where as somebody like Mickey Gilley comes from the same tradition as like a George Jones or a Tammy Wynette, um, Loretta Lynn, you know, he, he, he had that kind of a background and for him to actually have a chartable, you know, charting hit in this new era, I think for him was a considerable accomplishment. And there's no way that song is a hit without the movie. At least not a mainstream hit. You know what I mean? I, I think it's a great rendition. It, of it the is, song. but that's so country twang i mean that that's the stuff that i think we would have heard on hee haw 10 years earlier and would have been a huge country hit sure and i think like you said i think the at that point and that's why i kind of went in the order that i did of the soundtrack songs this ascension on the charts for for this particular song so that was stand by me by mickey gilly from 1980 went to number 22 on the billboard chart one more song, or no, two, sorry, two more songs from 1980. This one is the signature song for this particular artist. And one of the defining songs of this era. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curves, yeah. in the hills. Some mountain might get them, but the law never will. The great Waylon Jennings. At this point, Sean, his career had spanned for more than 20 years. Started out as a rockabilly guitarist. Played with Buddy Holly. Played as the bass player for Buddy Holly. And he... As the story goes, and he told this story, uh, the death of Buddy Holly was uh, Richie Valens took his seat on the plane. Correct. Because Richie Valens was sick, and they wanted to fly ahead so they could get him some medical attention. And Waylon Jennings, uh, you know, he had survivor's guilt for many, many, many years. And uh, But fortunately for Waylon, he ended up having a really respectable and long country music career. How could anyone else but Waylon Jennings do this song? I, I couldn't. I mean, it, it's like perfect for his voice. But not only that, you know, in addition to doing the song for the TV show, mm-hmm. he was the narrator. He was the narrator. Or as they called him, the balladeer. Yeah, true. And he was so good at it. He yes. Just, he had a way of reading the lines and sort of telling the story that you just kind of had a wink behind it. You right. Know, it was like there was, there was, a, there was a smile and... It was humor. He it was funny. His timing was really good. Yeah, it was that down home Southern charm that he he brought to that. You're right. Like I, I kind of forgot about that. But yes, as the as the balladeer, he was as central to the storytelling as with the actors were. I, uh, yeah, I think he was as important to the show as the actors. Yeah, I, I, I in my opinion. So that was Waylon Jennings, the theme from the Dukes of Hazard from 1980, and that went to. Number 21, believe it or not. It did, yes. Not a very high-charting song, but still a charting song nonetheless. A much more popular song came out a little bit after this. 
now we're coming to the end of 1980, but you're really uh, starting to see some of these other artists really uh, show some some power, some some ability, and some uh, staying power. And this next one. is the great Ronnie Millsap. I thumb my way from L.A. back to Knoxville I found out those bright lights ain't where I belong From a phone booth in the rain I called to tell her I've had a change of dreams, I'm coming home But tears filled my eyes when I found out she was gone Smoky mountain rain keeps on falling I keep on calling What year was this? Uh, it came out in September of 1980 Okay, okay And w- I remember this song being performed on Solid Gold. That was when I saw Ronnie Millsap on TV for the very first time. Right. Um, very powerful song. I, I really liked it as mm-hmm. a kid. And Ronnie Millsap had a nice string of hits for like the next four or five years. A string of crossover hits. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, I think he had, ended up having five or six top ten U.S. hits on the Billboard chart. In addition to all of his number one country songs. Uh, Ronnie Millsap, who was born with a uh, birth defect and lost his sight at a very young age and uh, but was a really good piano player but I just love, I love his voice it's very distinctive mm-hmm. like you, it really stands out to me for apart from it's not your it's country but it's not it's not stereotypical country if you know what I'm trying to say Yeah, this was all over the radio. Sure was. And the, by the time this hit uh, its peak of number 24, I think you're probably looking at the end of 1980 going into 1981. But this was the first of many hits for Ronnie Millsap on the pop charts. Big crossover artist on, on our list. My next artist, now we're going into 1981. And... <laughs> What reminds me of this song is our cousin Bud. Oh, I know. I, I, I knew what song you're going to play <laughs> because he requested this song at the skating rink, <laughs> and and when the DJ said that he was this one's going out to Bud, <laughs> I remember Bud jumped. I believe he jumped in the air and started clapping. And, he, and to his credit, he didn't wipe out when the scroller skates, <laughs> but he was extremely happy to hear this song being played. So, of course, the song is Elvira. The group is the Oak Ridge Boys. Wait, no, you got to do the um papa mau mau part. All right. We'll get to it. All right. But um, when you look back, when you hear back the, the song from years then to now, mm-hmm. do you think this should have been a, a big hit on the pop charts? Here you go. That, that alone should have made it a hit, Scott. <laughs> All right. Now. Do you know much about the band's background? A little bit. Not a little. I mean, I, I know like the lead singer's a big Phillies fan. Well, he's from Philly. Oh, okay. He was born in Philly. I didn't know that, that. To me, I think that's the great irony of the Oak Ridge Boys is when you hear the name the Oak Ridge Boys and you hear the songs they sing, you think these are guys are from, from country. Sure. From the deep country. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy who's singing lead on this song is born and raised in Philadelphia. The guy who does the mm-bapa, mm-bapa, he's from Camden. 
Okay. Camden, New Jersey. Okay. So I, when I saw that, I was floored. I'm like, I, I thought they were these guys were like the quintessential like Georgia, South Carolina, yeah. North Carolina band. Uh, but it turns out two of the guys are from this area. I, I was, that really surprised me. Good marketing in their point because I would have seen Oak Ridge, North Carolina. Yeah, or really. Like that. Yeah, absolutely. Giddy up, giddy up. Oh my! There you go. <laughs> That's impressive. I mean, it's kind of a novelty song it in is. a way. I mean, it's it's one of those songs where it just hit at the right time. Well, you're right. That that's a good point. And timing can mean so much when it comes to popular music. I actually think the song that they did after that, which was called Bobby but, Sue, but, 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 may may appear on my list. So don't you know? Okay. Don't give it away. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, but the Oak Ridge Boys, they were on my list, and that was a top five hit. That went to number five on the Billboard charts in 1981. My next artist also had a debut album in 1981, which was um, won a Grammy, I think, for Best New Artist. And uh, she was somebody that kind of burst onto the scene. She had a song that was called Angel of the Morning. But I think this was the song that really broke her out into becoming a big star. This is Juice Newton, and she was another artist I remember seeing performing on Solid Gold. I think Solid Gold really embraced the country crossover. I remember seeing a lot of these groups on the TV show. Yeah, so do I. I remember the Oak Ridge Boys were on there. Mm-hmm. Juice Newton was on there. Eddie Rabbit was on there. Uh, Ronnie Millsap was on there. I just I think Solid Gold saw that as an opportunity to kind of want, you know, grab onto a, a, another style of music that was kind of becoming super popular. And this was very, very upbeat and poppy. And I mean, yes, yeah, she, she was a country artist. But I mean, to me at, at this time when this came out, I didn't necessarily know that she was a country artist. Yes. I just kind of knew her as this, this new pop singer that came out. Right. And I really, really liked this song. Yeah, this was a great song. And unfortunately, I think this song got played a, a lot. Yeah. It really did. She did a, her next album that came out after this. She had a song that I think I like better to this day, which is "Love's Been a Little Bit Harder mm-hmm. on Me." Uh, I I really I think that one really holds up. I think that's a great song too. But it's kind of in the same vein of Queen of Hearts, kind in, of in how the tempo and it's it's a very lighthearted song. The video, if yeah. you ever seen the music, oh video, yeah, it's, absolutely, it's pretty funny. Which is I you know it's interesting that you immediately talked about the video because that's where I was going to go. Because now we're starting to see music videos, and now my my memories are going from being up at the cabin and hearing songs on the sure. radio to suddenly I'm I'm taken right to the music video. Okay, all right. MTV messed with our heads. <laughs> so that was Queen of Hearts by Juice Newton. Went to number two on the Billboard charts from 1981. Uh, next artist in 1982 really had a, a rebranding of his career, kind of a second life, um, almost. You could almost say it's a third act in his career. Was a great, great songwriter in country music in the 1960s. Wrote for many, many big artists. Um, became part of the Outlaws, uh, you know, from from Texas. Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson. The they became kind of a big thing in the 1970s. But all of a sudden, here's a guy, this grizzled country veteran, mm-hmm. decides to come out with just a touching soft ballad which mind you um maybe i didn't love you willie nelson wrote songs like crazy for patsy cline as often as i could have and maybe i didn't treat you 
not as good as I should have If I made you feel second best You did, you did Girl, I'm sorry I was blind You were always on my mind You were always on my mind Now, Sean, this is the great Willie Nelson. Sure. Always on my mind. Went to number five on the Billboard chart. He also had a huge hit on the road again. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- I mean, this guy really kind of restarted his whole music career in the early part of the 80s. And it was a guy who embraced kind of this new country sound. Right. Uh, to hear this particular song... Uh, just a very intimate song there's very little musical instrumentation behind him but that distinct Willie Nelson voice just jumps out at you when you hear it and he always had one of the one of the better I think more distinctive singing voices in music and kind of interesting that that the song uh, goes to number five on the charts so it, it was a big major hit and I think it's something you know a song that you know continue to be big i mean i think it continued to get played it's it's um you know arguably his signature song that he has and he was an artist that i was not aware of his past before this came out i mean i I did not know the willie nelson of the 70s correct and i didn't know the willie nelson even of the 1960s and you know you think the clean cut guy yeah you think of willie you know he's always had the long hair the braids the beard and the beard uh, the headbands, sure. You know, he was always big into that, but if you go back into like 1962, uh, you know he's performing at Nashville with short hair, black hair, wearing mm-hmm. a suit, uh, clean shaven. But this guy has has written some of the timeless classics of our generation, right? And this one is certainly ranks right up there with with some of the best. Yeah, and and I'm I'm so glad that you know you will get that where you'll have these artists that will, you know, seemingly would be washed up. I mean, at, at the, he's probably, I don't know, he'd be like 40s or so. He would have been 50 because oh, he, be he just turned 90 wow. this year. Wow. So that was, yeah, he would have been about 49. You, There's no way you would have predicted a, not even a resurgence because I don't know, he never had a pop career. But True. to actually have an explosion of a pop career when you're in your 50s, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it sure is. So there's hope for us, Scott. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, anybody listening out there, you want to get a band together? <laughs> we, right. can't, we can't play instruments very well and we can't sing, but we, we could do something. There's right? a lot of attitude there. I, I could play a tambourine. Yeah. How's that? So that was Willie Nelson, Always on My Mind. From 1982, it went to number five on the charts. Sean, I don't know if you came across this. I remember hearing this on the radio a lot when it came out in 1982. And I think... This song sort of embodies the popularity of the country crossover. And, you know, you talked about how Mickey Gilley's Stand By Me was sort of a byproduct of the success of Urban Cowboy. Mm-hmm. I think this song, you could argue and say that it was a byproduct of the success of all these country crossovers before it. Is the artist Sylvia 
Yeah, I, I couldn't come up with who the artist was. Okay. But, you know, it's interesting. I don't think I've heard that song in 40 years. And I remembered almost every line. It's very it's very memorable, yeah. wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, but so Sylvia. Sylvia. Yeah, I don't and, remember her. And the name of her album was called Just Sylvia. Okay. And she was on the country map for a few years. She, she was in the game for about four or five years. And this was a crossover hit, which went to number 15 on the charts in 1982. And I played the song because for me, it was kind of the end of the era. You know, we talked about 1977 to 1982. For mm-hmm. me, that that kind of five, six-year window was, this This was kind of represented the, the curtain closing on this particular era for me. Sure. Because my list goes dark for about 10 years after after this particular song. And again, Sylvie was another artist I remember seeing on Solid Gold. And if you listen to Sean and I on on the podcast for multiple times, you know that we didn't get MTV until two years after it was launched, which was in 1983. So I don't know. Honestly, I've never seen a music video for this. I don't have a memory for this other than watching her perform on the TV show Solid Gold. Okay. So... All right, so 1982, you know, the rest of the 80s for me, I can't say I remember any country songs. Now, you may have something on your list, and I hope you do, because I, for the life of me, I couldn't think of any country music that were would have been considered crossover from 1982 to 1992. Okay. Okay. So the next song that I'm going to play is from 1992, and the first time that I heard it, I honestly thought it was a novelty song. Because I used to listen to a morning show out of Philadelphia called John Lanner and the Nuthead on Eagle 106. Uh, you Philly listeners, I'm sure remember. And every Friday morning, they would play, it was kind of like an all request, and they would request like a lot of goofy songs. And you, you and I used to listen to Starview 92 when we would drive into school, and they had that too on their morning show. People would request these silly songs. So they, they pl- started playing this song, and... I, at first, I thought it was a goof because of the chorus, but it turns out it ended up being, you know, like the song of the year. That you're going to say you saw the video and you saw his hair and you thought it was a goof. I didn't see it until after because this is Billy Ray Cyrus, most of you know. So I hear this on Eagle 106 for the first time. And I think, okay, it's it's a funny song. It's kind of a funny song. You know, country guys singing about achy, breaky heart. Sure. And then I hear them play it later, like in the evening as I'm driving home from work. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you playing that novelty song? And then I heard it again. And I heard it again. And it got more popular and more oh, popular yeah. and more popular. It ends up going to number four on the Billboard charts. And Billy Ray Cyrus is a household name at this point. I mean, you talk about the Oak Ridge Boys and Elvira just kind of hitting at the right time. I, I mean, this song is basically a novelty song. I mean, it, it's silly. And, and his whole his whole persona, I mean, he... he it, you know, we, we've said in the past there was no such thing as a mullet. Well, maybe not till Billy Ray came out with it. Yeah, I, that's the first time I ever heard what a mullet was. Yeah, yeah, and he definitely had the all-time classic mullet in 1992 yeah. when this song was released. That, you know, it was as spiked up top as it could be and as long in the back as it could be. Well, and I guess we for clarity for any listener that may not be connecting the dots, but... Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, of course, the the father of Miley Cyrus, and I got to hand it to Billy Ray. I mean, the guy's aged extremely well. He was no, known as a uh, you know kind of a hunky, good looking guy back in the day. But I tell you, what, I, think, I think he probably probably looks better now than he did back back in the day. As far as like, I mean, it's like the guy doesn't look old. And I thought he was hilarious on Hannah Montana. 
Oh, he was great. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought that was. I thought he was the best part of the show. Yeah, Hannah Montana was a show that we used to watch with with my kids, and the kids liked it because of Miley Cyrus. And I thought that that was sure was great. So. And it was you know the fact that this was the achy breaky heart guy. Yeah, he was on the show all these years later. It was like twenty years later, and he was great on it. Right. So that was nineteen ninety two. Achy breaky heart by Billy Ray Cyrus went to number four in the Billboard charts. I think you started to see uh, country music really started to get gain a lot of traction. Maybe not necessarily in the crossover department, but country music was becoming huge in the 90s. Uh, as it is known to many Gen Xers who follow country, there were a lot of great artists in the 1990s. Um, you know, Brooks and Dunn is somebody that I particularly enjoyed. Uh, the next, This next artist, when you think about a crossover hit, really kind of burst onto the scene with this song and her career kind of followed after it. But it was written for a soundtrack and it was very, uh, even though it wasn't put on the movie soundtrack itself, it still got released and ended up being one of the biggest songs of the year 1997. See, you're just knocking stuff off my list. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't let you go first. The movie was Con Air. What kind of life would that be? Oh, I, I need you in my arms, need you to hold. You're my world, my heart, my soul. If you ever leave, well, baby, you would take away everything good in my life. And tell This is Leanne Rhymes. And I think when she sang this song, she's about 14 or 15. Oh, she was young. She was extremely young. And I don't think the the movie executives felt comfortable having such a personal song, a love song, being sung by a 14 or 15-year-old. So they had Trisha Yearwood record it as well. Okay. And that was the version that ended up on the movie soundtrack. Ironically... Because of the success of this version, both songs get nominated in the same category, I believe, for an award. I'm not sure if it was the Academy Award or the Grammy, but both the same song gets nominated in the same year by two different artists, mm -hmm. which I thought was it's pretty amazing. Uh, you don't hear that no. at all. But this is, the, this is the version everybody remembers. This is the one that got played all over the radio sure. in, in 1997. But a very young Leanne Rhymes, who ended up having a, a pretty darn respectable, uh, you know, career as a, as an artist. And it, it, it's a good song, and the a lot of the country music of that era uh, had a real a lot of nice ballads on it. You know, something that would have fit into a movie. Uh, you know, I don't know that ballads were necessarily a country thing before, but they definitely became something in the '90s. There were a lot of ballads in the '90s. You're right. Um, whenever, uh, I would say whenever, but a lot of my playlists that I would use for weddings, especially in the 2000s, mm -hmm. there were so many requests for uh, Clint Black or Brooks and Dunn or, you know, there were, a lot, there were so many great songs, love songs for weddings that were done by country singers. Right, right. And it was just, there was like a, it was like a embarrassment of riches for for a dj to be able to pull from this this catalog because i mean there, so there were ballads for sure there definitely were ballads but not to the extent that you saw there at the late 90s it's kind of like when the um you know the the quote-unquote hair bands started doing the ballads at the end of the 80s it was something that everybody seemingly had to have one of right and uh, but the the country artists in a lot of ways did it better than any other artists out there at that time right so that was Leanne Rhymes' How Do I Live from 1997, and that went to number two on the Billboard Pop Chart. My next artist, number 26 on my list. 
How many more do we have to go? 28 total. All right, good, because you're, you're like just taking a lot of songs on my list. I'm sorry. Uh, next artist had has had, a, again, a very big career. And this, although she had a couple of country albums before, this was the album that kind of introduced her to everybody. I remember this song got played on VH1 a lot and ended up being a top five hit for Faith Hill. I don't want another heartbreak. I don't need another turn to cry. No, I don't want to learn the hard way. Baby, hello. Oh, no. Goodbye. But you got me like a rocket shooting straight across the sky. It's the way you love me. It's a feeling like this. It's centrifugal motion. It's perpetual bliss. It's that pivotal moment. It's uh, impossible. This kiss, this kiss. Unstoppable. This kiss, this kiss. So I'm Faith Hill and in, in this kiss, which went to number seven on the Billboard charts. I don't know about you, but remember back in the '80s, there were these these competitions between you know, and they weren't really competitions, but it's like people would ask you, "Who do you prefer, Madonna or Cindy Lauper? Who do you prefer, Tiffany or Debbie Gibson?" Um, I never know. got the Madonnas. You <laughs> never heard that? I mean, I never had it asked of me. Okay, because I remember people used to talk really, about those it. two. Yeah, that they okay. be, because you know, were you a Madonna fan or were you a Cyndi Lauper fan? I don't think it had to do with looks. I think it had to do with the music. Like, were you were you a fan of Madonna's music or were you a fan of Cyndi Lauper's music? Were you a fan of Tiffany's music or were you a fan of Debbie Gibson's music? And I think there were definitely um, comparisons drawn because these two albums came out in the same year. In 1998, the first one being Faith Hill, and the next one. And that's why I posed this question because, uh, you know, this artist ended up becoming one of the biggest in the world based on this album, a Mutt Lang produced album. Shania Twain. I've known a few guys who thought they were pretty smart, but you've got being right down to an art. You think you're a genius, you drive me up the wall You're a regular original, know-it-all Okay, so you're a rocket scientist That don't impress me much Now, Sean, I'm not sure if you knew this, but there were two versions of the song that were released. I did not know that. This is more of the country version. Okay. And there was one that was like, this isn't the one you hear on on the video. That one has a little bit more. It's just it's just tweaked ever so slightly to have more of a pop sound to it. Okay. That's the one that you probably would have heard on the radio. Okay. If you would have listened to, to like a pop radio station. Sure. Um, but... These two ladies came out at the same time, Faith Hill and Shania Twain, and they pretty much ruled 1998, I think, for a lot of charts and a lot of uh, country music fans and pop fans as well. Well, I think it's it's interesting with Shania Twain. So you're Brad Pitt. So she's the, uh, the, the latest in a long line of Mutt Lang success stories. You know, yeah. this is the... It, it has his incredible uh, production all over it and you know I'm not going to take anything away from her talent just like I'm not going to take anything away from from Def Leppard and ACDC and and Foreigner and Brian Adams they all brought something to the table and then Mutt just kind of took it to another level and I think that it it's you know with with Shania Twain you can just hear this incredible production over her songs and and the fact that you know Mutt got in her corner eventually became her husband Mm -hmm. um that it was one of the best combinations of the entire 90s and early 2000s. Well, I did own this CD, and what stood out to me about it is, and you can say that a lot about a Mutt Lang album, is that it does have this flow from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what artists would do back in the day is they wanted to front load side A. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they would put all this... Made, like they basically put their best stuff on side A. Correct. And then side B was kind of like, let's fill some space. With the cassette, you would fast forward over that quickly. 
But tell me, uh, with with like the great producers of their time, like the Mutt Langs of the world, uh, you know, and I think of Pyromania. I think of this particular uh, album, "Come On Over." It's one of those albums that you just let it go and just let it play from beginning to end, because yeah, there are songs that are obviously geared more towards radio release, but they're not like front loaded one two three. It's like they're spread out. So you're kind of it's kind of like has a storytelling ability. That's to exactly it. what I was thinking, and it's kind of like when you were DJing at weddings, you wanted to have your songs flow. You, yes, you weren't going to necessarily just group a bunch of songs together. There was there was some thought put into it. Well, people would ask me that all the time, and I would I would try and explain to them that they would want to hear a certain song, and I say, okay, uh, I'm getting ready to play some of this, whether it was. Motown, or because I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump too much from one back to the other. But it, for me, it had to have a little bit of a kind of a common sound mm-hmm. to it, so that you're you're gearing towards something, and then you're gearing back, you know, a certain way. But I always try to keep like two or three songs together, and I think that's the brilliance of a producer in an album where they can do that, where they they tie these songs together so that you don't want to stop and skip over one to get to the next or or whatever. Right, no, and, and I agree. And, you know, good choice with, with Shania Twain. She will appear on my list as well, but I, I have uh, another song that I'm going to play. But that that's definitely a good one. And I think any any Gen X uh, country crossover list needs to have Shania Twain on it. Absolutely. Um, and at the height of her success, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but our cousin Rob had his picture taken with her. Do you remember that? I, I do remember that. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, I just yeah. remember being surprised at how small she was. It was like a prized possession, too. He's like, yeah. hey, look at this. <laughs> and yeah, it was him and another ball player. Yeah. Because uh, our, our cousin uh, played minor league baseball, and Shania Twain happened to be going to concert. And I guess they got backstage and got to meet her. They did a meet and greet. So these two gigantic baseball players are standing next to this little woman yeah. who's probably, what, maybe 5'2", five 5'3"? Five if that, I mean, because, you know, Rob's, like 5'11", yeah. or so, not quite six foot, and he towered over her. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I was surprised, because when you, when you would see her on video and on television, she had the heels on, and yeah. kind of larger than life, and to see that she was that much smaller was, you know, I remember being, uh, you know, just kind of like, like impressive, and, and took me off guard at first. Yeah. All right, so we finally got to my last song. We're at 1999, the end of the Gen X era, and... This may have been the, arguably the biggest hit of the Gen X era for a country crossover. And this song went to number one, I think, one of the fastest songs to get to number one on the Billboard chart by a country artist. And this is a song that still gets played to this day and has been covered many times. Every time our eyes meet, this feeling inside me. It's almost more than I can take Baby, when you touch me I can feel how much you love me And it just blows me away I've never been this close to anyone or anything I can hear your thoughts see your dreams I don't know how you do what you do I'm so in love with you It just keeps getting better So this is Lone Star and the song is Amazed and I probably played this one song at maybe 20 or 25 weddings as the first dance with the bride and groom this was a hugely popular song and a great love song too and i think what it did was you know the combination of the leanne rhymes the faith hill shania twain the lone stars it really ushered in and of course you know we're, we're fail- not bringing up somebody who's really instrumental in kind of making country music extremely popular and i'm i didn't have garth brooks on my list well he didn't really chart you know the only his highest charting song was that Chris Gaines song that he came out yes. with, and which I, was crazy. I debated about whether or not to include that as part of it. I cut it from the list, but I, you know, I think what these artists did, and it was, it kind of brought back this kind of a nice little revival of 
these crossover hits again. And I think there were quite a few of them in the early 2000s, which obviously we didn't include sure, right. on this list. But it did usher in uh, you know, bands like Big and Rich and Diamond Rio. I remember Diamond Rio having a big crossover hit. Uh, you know, there was it was kind of a for country music going back into ma- the mainstream. I think this was a, a great run, kind of reminiscent of that 70s to early 80s pocket that we had back when we were kids. Oh, I would agree. I mean, it, it uh, because personally, for me, I really switched over during that period of the 90s to more country music. I still listen to pop music, still listen to rock music. But the the majority of my listening was to country music, probably because it kind of sounded more similar to the music we listened to as kids. I would agree with that. So that was my list. Um, Amazed went to number one on the Billboard chart. And you can check out my list on Spotify. If you go onto Spotify and type in playlist country crossovers. So hope you enjoyed that. And I'm sure Sean is going to continue on and, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see what you What's came up left with. on my list. Well, I mean, I'm sure you you probably have some stuff that I didn't. Think I did. About. I I intentionally picked two of most every song, except for those artists that were kind of like Johnny Paycheck, the one hit wonders. Sure. Okay. So without further ado, I'm going to turn things over to you. Okay. So let's get into my list, and you know, I, I anticipated a lot of my artists being covered by Scott. So you know, I did come up with uh you know two songs. You know, oftentimes Scott picked what uh, might might have been the bigger hit, but there was always a backup. So the nice thing about the country artists in the Gen X era, for the most part, they had some careers. You know, they crossed over with more than one song. Right. Sometimes they would have that that one big hit, and, and I'll play. I'll get into it. Uh, um, well, here I'll, let's do it with the first one. So the first one is going to be, and I'll, and I'll start playing this one, a song that wasn't as big a hit as the one you played uh, by Charlie Rich, which was The Most Beautiful Girl. But here's a song that came out after that. Actually, this one came out a little bit before. Like, this was one released before. But I always like this one more. My baby makes me proud. Lord, don't you make me proud. She never makes a scene Hanging all over me in a crowd Cause people like to talk Boy, don't they love to talk But when they turn out the lights I know she'll be leaving with me And when we get behind And so this is the song that was released before The Most Beautiful Girl, which went number one for Charlie Rich. Right. This one to number 15. Okay. And so this kind of laid the groundwork for that song. 1973. This one, uh, its highest position was, it looks like it was in July of 73. Okay. I did not understand what this song meant when I was five <laughs> years old. I must admit, I, I do remember hearing it. I remember seeing it like being spoofed on television. Okay, and not getting it at all. Okay, I haven't heard this song in many, many, many years, but I I do remember it very vaguely. Yeah, and uh, of the two Charlie Rich songs that were really big in in the year 1973, like I said, this is the one that I always kind of liked a little bit more. Okay. I mean, you and I have always done that. I think in many, in many times. Yeah, you like the, the slower ballads a little more than what I do, and I like to have a little more upbeat but tempo. It's, it's just funny how you know when when it comes to the popular songs, we may not draw, be drawn towards the biggest hit. We may actually right. be drawn towards like the next song that came. Right. Out. Exactly. So exactly. So just, we continue with that. Yeah. All right. So that was Charlie Rich, uh, behind closed doors. So. Play my, my next artist, and you know, Scott played this artist, and, and it's going to be true with most of these, so you know, I, I don't need to keep repeating that. But here's an artist that Scott played a big hit for them, but this is probably maybe not the maybe not their biggest charting song, but maybe the signature song for this artist. 
the name of the game And nice guys get washed away like the snow and the rain There's been a load of compromising on the road to my horizon But I'm gonna be where the lights are shining on me Like a And that is Rhinestone Cowboy by the Rhinestone Cowboy himself, Mr. Glenn Campbell. It is. <clears throat> and you listen to him, that first first uh, verse of the song where he's not in a typical cowboy environment. You know, he's talking about the, the lights and streets of Broadway. Mm-hmm. So he's in New York City. Right. Which I, it's kind of the irony of the song and I guess the whole Rhinestone Cowboy thing. When did the movie Electric Cowboy come out? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't was know. Was it around this time? Yeah, uh, that I couldn't tell you. I know this was 1975. Okay. And so, while well, the song that you played, Southern Nights, came out in 77 and went up to number 22 on the charts, this one charted a little bit higher at number 17, mm-hmm. which is surprising because this is such a big song for Glenn Campbell. I think this is the song that when you would, you know, back when you would have shows on TV like the Jerry Lewis mm-hmm. Telethon. Mm-hmm. I remember Glenn Campbell being on the... Probably, I remember us watching the Jerry Lewis telephone. Sure, absolutely we did. And he was wearing rhinestones. He was. And what I remember is when he's doing the chorus and he's singing like a rhinestone cowboy and he goes, and girls! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just remember getting a chuckle out of that. Because he was a charismatic frontman, like you talked about. Yeah, he really was. He was, a, he was the quintessential showman. And that's true with a lot of country artists. Yeah, you know whether it, it was the Porter Wagner who you mentioned in in our first episode, you know uh, Dolly Parton's singing partner, where he wore the flashy clothes and you know really could put on a performance that that was very typical for a lot of country artists. Yeah, kind of like athletes, where they always say that the hockey players are the most approachable. I think country artists, as a as a general rule, have always been known as as good within the crowds. Right. They they didn't have this surly attitude that a lot of like rock stars would have sure you know they and it probably paid off for them because oftentimes in the country music world you keep your fans for life you do and somebody who had a career like and i'm gonna throw a name out here yeah boxcar willie boxcar willie we saw boxcar we saw willie. boxcar willie in concert and where we saw him in concert i mean if you're boxcar willie and we saw him at a place called the peckway silver mines yeah and it was basically an open field, and it had like this little amphitheater stage on at it. At a campground. Yeah. And it was, uh, when I mean it's out in the middle of nowhere, it is literally out in the middle of nowhere. And how many how many of us do you think were at that concert? Was it, was it even a thousand people? I don't know if it was. I mean, it, it seemed full because it was such a small theater. Yeah. You know, so, it, and we kind of pulled up with our cars, and we sat out on lawn chairs, or you had your blankets, and it... It, it definitely was not the height of his career. No, um, but you would have never known that. He put on a show. With him being out there. He was telling jokes and seemed to be incredibly happy to be there. He had, you know, he just, he had a, he had a big smile on his face. And yeah, it's like the guy was a, a showman. Here's, sure. here's a guy who performed at the Grand Ole Opry, mm-hmm. who performed all around the world. And yeah, he was, and even as a kid, I could recognize that like, oh, wow, you know, is he not a big deal anymore? <laughs> you, you know, in yeah. a way I kind of felt sorry for the guy. But he didn't act like you should feel sorry for no, him. No, he did not. He, and that was, that was the first concert I ever, ever remember yeah. as, as a kid. So well, same. But, you know, it, it kind of goes to that whole performer sensibility. And I, I think it speaks well. It, it did. And so my next artist is also, I'm going to play a song that he had in 1975. So the previous song, you know, Glenn Campbell with Rhinestone Cowboy, number 17 on the charts in 75. This one does go all the way to number one. So this is a big, big crossover hit. It's lonely out tonight And the feeling just got right For a brand new love song Somebody done somebody wrong song Hey, won't you play 
So Scott, this is B.J. Thomas. Yeah. Do you remember this on the radio in '75? I sure do. Yeah. yeah. Now his biggest hit was "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head." And that was 1970. Oh, 1970. Okay. I would have guessed '60s. No, and that was number one for four weeks, okay. and the and it was January of '70. Yeah. So it it was '69 into '70. I sure do remember B.J. Thomas. Absolutely. Okay. And this song, like I said, it was number one, and it certainly was something that I heard on the radio. Yeah. And what it and what a great. Uh, take on a country song. You know, he's writing about how write me a song or sing me a song about a breakup because I'm going through a breakup. Right. I, I think that's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. unique. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that I would have thought this was a country song because it was just such a prominent, you know, pop radio song. I didn't really consider B.J. Thomas as a country singer. Nope, neither did I. Yeah. No, because, like, with raindrops keep falling on my head, I remember hearing that on the radio all the sure. time. Yeah. And he didn't wear a cowboy hat, so I didn't necessarily <laughs> think he was a country singer. So that was B.J. Thomas with, Hey, Won't You Play, another somebody uh, done somebody wrong, wrong song. Okay, so um, my next artist, I'm kind of surprised, Scott, that he did not make your list. So the the next artist is I know somebody that you and I hold in super high regard. And here's a song, a bit of a novelty song for this artist. And uh, listen in, listeners. Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauties roll by And sometimes I'd hang my head and cry Cause I always wanted me one that was long and black One day I devised myself a plan That should be the envy of most any man I'd sneak it out of there in the lunchbox in my hand Now getting caught meant getting fired But I figured I'd have it all by the time I retired I'd have me a car worth at least a hundred grand I'd get it one piece at a time, and it wouldn't cost me a dime. You know it's me when I come through your town. I'm gonna ride around in style, I'm gonna drive everybody wild, cause I'll have the only one there is around. Now, I don't throw the term great out there lightly. That is the great Johnny Cash. Sure is. And that is a bit of a novelty song, and that is one piece at a time, and as, you know, the song plays out you'll get to hear how he uh, built the psycho billy cadillac one piece at a time that he snuck out of the uh, of the gm factory there in detroit according to the song that actually went to number 29 on the charts really yeah 1976 wow um i didn't even know he had a charting song in in the 70s i mean right. obviously he was a, a pioneer in rockabilly in the mm-hmm. in the 50s 50s and 60s, uh, 60s he charted on billboard yeah but I didn't know he had anything on the charts in in nineteen in the nineteen seventies. He, he kind of struggled after this, and I know he tried to repeat kind of the novelty song idea in the eighties. There was something about a chicken, I think, that uh, he, he tried to, and it and it totally failed. But this was still Johnny Cash, you know, coming off the Johnny Cash show, a lot of appearances on Hee Haw. He, he still was a big deal. Well, you can hear us picker prominently in the background. I think it's Marshall. I can't remember what his last name is. Uh, but he was really essential to the early Johnny Cash sound. And that's there that is a country twang on a telecaster back there. And when he and when he passed away, I think a lot of Johnny's sound went with it. And it took him a long time to get a voice back. Because you hear that that pick and they they compared it to a freight train. You know, like a train click clacking across the, the train tracks. Right. And that was that was the sound, the chug a chug. That you can hear in this in this particular set. You, if you would have played this song, and and told me that he wrote this in 1961, I wouldn't have been surprised. Right. It's very very much the same sound. So 
So Johnny Cash is probably the, the one artist that our dad and I completely agreed on when we were growing up. It's where I, there was never a time I did not like Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash um, was to me always such a cool guy. Yeah. You know, he just, he just, I don't know. I, I you know, I read his book. Yep. Yep. And, I read the same book that, that, you know, you loaned to me. Johnny had many demons yeah. in his life. But you, you didn't know that as, as somebody that watched him on TV or listened to his records. And it should be no surprise that when it comes to the world of country crossover that Johnny managed to cross over, at sure. least in the 70s. It wasn't very often. I mean, I, I really searched to find something because I wanted to put him on the list. Okay. But you know, there he was at number 29, so yeah. I was pretty happy with I'm that. glad you did, yeah. Now, moving on, there's an artist that uh, Scott talked about that this may be his favorite Artists, and if you say country artists, just artists, period. Favorite country artists. Favorite country artists. So I was pleased that when I came to this episode with two songs, so I knew I I had a (laughs) 50-50 chance, right? Okay. He played the one that I was going to play. Okay. You know, the, the famous I Love a Rainy Night, This is Eddie Rabbit, but this is my favorite Eddie Rabbit song. Performed on Solid Gold, by the way. <laughs> you give Solid Gold a whole lot of t- airtime. Got a lot of love yeah. tonight. Yeah. Don't be afraid, cause love will show you how. Take that first step. Ask her out and treat her like a lady. Second step. Tell her she's the one you're dreaming of. Third step. Take her in your arms and never let her go Don't you know, step by step Step by step You win the love What a good song. Oh, it's a great song. He he was known as a good songwriter. And, and I wish, I wish uh, retrospectively that, you know, we talk about certain bands that kind of got forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, for, for Eddie Rabbit, he started to... He made the move to Branson, Missouri, and had a regular show that he was doing out in Branson. And then he got cancer and, and passed away in right. the early 90s. Right. So I think... He missed the revival. He did. Yeah. yeah. And I think had he been... You know, had he lived longer, uh, I think his catalog of music would have really been propped up and and admired for the next generation. Because there would have been people like us, Gen Xers, that would have rediscovered him. I mean, just like Johnny Cash gets rediscovered later on in the 90s, I think the same thing would have happened with Eddie Rabbit because he was so good. He had a nice string of hits that when you kind of go down the nostalgia road and you hear it like this song, again, to me, this takes me right back. So this was... Uh, the number five song in October of 1981. Yeah. And he has he had a great song. I'm not sure if it was this album or the one that came after it. But it was it was called Two Dollars in the Jukebox. Okay. It's one of those songs that's not going to be released as a single, but it's a fun song. I recommend that you go back and okay. check it out. All so. right. Will do. But uh, Eddie Rabbit, you know, a great artist. Uh, as Scott said, it's just a shame that he's kind of forgotten by a lot of people, but uh, as we have said many times here on the Mighty Gen X Playback Podcast, we're going to do our best to revive some of these artists and and, and put them back on, on your radar again. So, Eddie Rabbit with Step by Step. First step, ask her out and treat her like a lady. Second step, tell her she's the one you're dreaming of. Third step, take her in your arms and Don't you know 
Step by step 